0: We are going to start. We're doing something new instead of me. So here's what I normally would do: is I would take this communion table and I'd put it in front of the pulpit, and then I'd take a chair and put it on top of the communion table, which might have been a sin, and then put my laptop on top of the chair and then try to record. Now we've got a whole new camera and sound system set up, and so you know if it's a little wonky, we apologize. We're going to get we're going to get worked out. We're working out the bugs. Uh, so if there's sound problems, it's Ray's fault. I just want to, to let everybody know. Uh, and if there's visual problems, it's John's fault. Um, and if it's perfect, that's due to Mike and I. Um, so we're going to be looking at Psalm 100 today. And uh, it's a psalm of just rejoicing and thankfulness. And, uh, but, but it begins to ask about uh, what you know and what you do and, and what you believe. And so uh, I wanted to pull our adoration from John chapter 21. Verses 15 through 17. This is the last time that, in the book of John, really, that um, Peter and Jesus have a, like a Q&A conversation, and, and this is what it says. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. As we begin to look at a song of just joy and thanksgiving, I want to ask the question, and I'll ask it now in the sermon, but One of the things that we need to consider is what do we really love and how does that impact what we know and what we're doing with our lives and and how we interact with those around us. So I want to take a moment and and adore Christ for who he is through worship.
1: so so kind I was your fault, still you love far from me. You have been so, so good. Deserve still you give yourself. there's no warrior or kick down Now you won't tear down Coming after me Enjoy the overwhelming Never-ending Reckless love of God Oh, it chases me down Fights to unfound Leaves the night and night I couldn't earn don't deserve it, still you give yourself. make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth serve the Lord with gladness coming into his presence with singing know that the Lord he is God it is he who made us and we are his we are his people and the sheep of his pasture enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise give thanks to him and bless his name for the Lord is good his steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations
0: the whole psalm, it's only five verses, um, and I'm going to pray and then we'll, we'll jump on in. Father, thank you so much for being so good, uh, for loving us, for being in control of everything. You know all things. Nothing happens without your knowledge, and we thank you that uh, you're with us. We can always look to you. Thank you. For your word. I ask that spirit that you would minister to our hearts during this time that we would find an occasion to rejoice in how great you are and maybe to ask ourselves some good questions. Uh, please lead us at this time. Help me to speak only your words in your name. Amen. All right, so this year we decided to uh, focus on discipleship and we wanted to ask um, really what is discipleship because one of the, the things that we would noticed in the last few years is there was kind of a confusion over discipleship. And some people would define discipleship as like an eight week course. And then you've been discipled, and you're done. And, and some would say it's a lifelong thing. Some would say it's a book study. Some would say it's financial study. And so we kind of wanted to just take the year and say, man, how did Jesus disciple? What did it look like in the Old Testament and and the New Testament? How did men do it? How did women do it? And then in the summer we decided that we wanted to take a break and work through the book of Psalms. But I think it's important to remember that the psalmists can disciple you. We've looked at Psalms where the author is full of angst and Psalms of, of praise. We've seen longing for deliverance and even last week spent time listening to the author long for justice and lament. And so the Psalms can disciple us in how to vocalize and deal with our deepest longings or our shame or joys, our emotions. What, what are you experiencing? Uh, and maybe during this time right now uh, is a good time for us to be in Psalms, to be saying, man, there's so much going on in the world around us. How do I process this information and how do I go to God with it, whether it's joyous feelings or, or really, really hard feelings and hardship." Uh, so today we're looking at Psalm 100, and we're going to watch how the psalmist expresses thankfulness and joy. And we're going to explore it by looking at just two things. So I'm giving you guys an out this week. Usually I have a three-point sermon, uh, but we're we're only doing two points. So it's going to be a shorter sermon, and uh, you're welcome to the joy of God and all of mankind. Um, so we're going to look at Psalm 100, and we're, the two things we're going to notice is rhythm uh, and then command. So Psalm 100, rhythm and command. Uh, We're going to start with rhythm, and I'm just going to read the whole passage. Uh, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Um, rhythm. Uh, when, I, when I read this psalm, so I've read it multiple times, obviously, this week, and really been thinking on it, and when I read it, it reminds me of David um, bringing the ark back. And, and how he's just so excited that the ark's coming back and it's a sign of God's presence and God's blessing and, and he's dancing and he's singing and he's leading the choir and the people are marching and he's just overwhelmed with joy. Or, or I think of the woman at the well who goes into Samaria and just exclaims to everybody, starts telling everybody about a man who told her everything she had done. It's a psalm calling us not to just be joyful, but an expression of an all-consuming joy that is overwhelming the psalmist as it falls onto the page. And I think it's important to remember that the entirety, entirety of your Christian life will not be like this. You're not called to walk around pretending that there's no pain or suffering in life. I mean, We just looked at Psalm 137. John walked us through it last week. Psalm of deep grief and and hard language. And the reason why I point that out is I've listened to quite a few psalm uh, Psalm sermons on Psalms 100 and uh, and read some commentaries. And, And there's a consistent thing that I've heard over and over and that's like, this is how to do life. Like this is life explored and how to live as a Christian. And quite frankly, I think that's, incorrect. I don't think that your entire life should just be only joyfulness because at some point you have to look at sin and some point you have to look at pain and say, I'm going to lament like Christ. And so I do believe though, I would argue um, that it is, that that the, the experience of hard things make the moments of overwhelming joy even sweeter. And I think that's what the psalmist is experiencing. So the question for us is, is what is making the psalmist so thankful and so joyful? And, and that's why I believe rhythm is so important. Verses one and two are what I'd call joyful acts. The psalmist is calling us into an active joy that does things. Makes, make a joyful noise. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. He's calling us to do these things, but not just us, all of creation. And so this is a big moment for him as he's expressing himself. And so verses one and two uh, and verse four are joyful actions. Verse four enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. Verses three and five are different, though. They say, Know what the Lord, know that the Lord He is God is he who made us, and we are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Verse 5, for the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Verses 3 and 5 are based on what you know. So the psalm is set up in a circuit, and it goes around it twice. He begins with joyful praise and calling everyone to worship God, uh, and it's because of what he knows about God, namely that he belongs to God, that, that God made us. We are his people. So rejoicing followed by knowledge. And then verse four, he goes back to the call of joyful praise. Give thanks to God, bless his name. Why? Because of what he knows. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. And so in this circuit, we see his mind is filled with knowledge, the knowledge of God, and that affects his emotions. He has joyful feelings, but the emotions then spill out into actions, calling everyone in all of creation to praise God. What you know about God can cause you great joy. And I think that's where I would be tempted to stop, but I think there's an underlying reality, an assumption that has to be pressed on, and that's where I think... The idea of command is really important. So the rhythm is his mind, what he knows about God, affects his emotions and those drive into actions. And so that's what he's doing. He's making joyful noises. He's calling people to to be joyous with him because of what he knows. And he repeats that again. Uh, And then the underlying assumption comes with this odd command in verse one. uh, Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth serve the Lord with gladness, come into his presence with singing. A psalmist tells us to make a joyful noise, calls us into it, commands us. How can you command or tell someone to praise God? I mean, that's a weird thing. If if you think about about it, that's, that's a really weird thing. Now, I don't think we'd immediately think it's weird because as Christians, we're used to it. It happens to us, Once a week, it sounds like, let's worship. Let's adore the Lord. Let's praise the Lord with singing. That's us commanding, hey, we're going to transition to praise the Lord now. But would you do that in any other public setting at all? Like, would you walk into a coffee shop and exclaim, make a joyful noise to the Lord, coffee sippers? I don't think you would. Uh, I hope you wouldn't because you're not weird, and weird people do that. That's weird. Don't, we don't go into public places. We don't go to the library and, and break all the silence rules and exclaim to everybody that they need to praise the Lord. Uh, it's, it's just not, it's not anything that we do outside of Christian circles, really maybe even just outside of church gathering period. But we are called to it to bring people's attention to the greatness of God so that they can praise him. So what what does that practically look like for us? How do we, like the psalmist, go to people and say, make a joyful noise to the Lord for he is good. C.S. Lewis wrote a book called uh, Reflections on the Psalms. And um, he was really bothered by the Psalms before he became a Christian. And I think probably partly after he became a Christian. And one of the things that really bothered him was the concept of God telling people to praise him and people commanding other people to praise him. And, and so I want, I want to read you what he wrote about it. Uh, it says, and this is, what he, this is how he's working it out. I had not noticed either that just as men spontaneously praise whatever they value, so they spontaneously urge us to join them in praising it. Isn't she lovely? Wasn't it glorious? Don't you think that magnificent? The psalmist in telling everyone to praise God are doing what all men do when they speak of what they care about. My whole more general difficulty about the praise of God depended on my absurdly denying to us as regards the supremely valuable what we, do, what we delight to do, what we indeed can't help but doing about everything else we value. I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. It is its appointed consummation. So what Lewis is struggling with this idea of the Psalms commanding you to praise, to commanding you to praise God, telling you to do it. And what he worked out was that it isn't necessarily a command at all, rather it's something we do Every day when we speak about something we love, praises, adoration. It's expressing approval. You've got to have a bite of this food. It is so good. Join with me in my joy of this food. So you're praising the, the goodness of the food and calling people into it. You've got to read this book, watch this movie, follow this Instagram. It's so amazing. When you say those things, you're calling people to rejoice in what you're praising. You're praising something you love, and in that praise comes the natural expression of calling others to experience the same thing. And so the psalmist here is reflecting on God and he's saying, Man, this is so amazing, and he calls us into praising God and experiencing that goodness with him. And here's why I think that's important. If the rhythm of the psalm was just knowledge, emotion, and expression, if it's just, I know something about God, it causes good, joyful feelings, and that spills into action, then it would fall flat. Because I know a lot of people who know a lot about God and do not rejoice in him or follow him. Knowledge does not necessarily lead to joyful worship. But if the foundation of the psalm is love that leads to knowledge, emotion, and expression, that isn't a command to praise. That is a praise being worked out with the natural invitation for others to join in. This movie is amazing, isn't? You've got to watch this. This God is wonderful, isn't he? You've got to serve him. So the question isn't, what are we doing or or what do we know? The question is ultimately, what do we love? The psalmist loves God and so he studies and reads and prays and he builds his life around what he loves and it leads to moments of great joy. And in that great joy, he can't help but call others to join in praising the God that he loves. So the question, what do you love? is really important because that, that is, the answer to that question informs the others. It informs what you do and, and what you worship and what you praise and what you call people to do with you. And which is why the book of John closes with Jesus and Peter having that question, Peter, do you love me? Because Peter's love for Christ would forever change what he did and how he lived and what he spoke about. And if you remember, Peter's, he's a pendulum, man. I mean, he's all over the place. And one moment he's being called Satan and the next moment he's given the keys of the kingdom. And so what Peter loves is important. Now I'd wonder, I'd wonder if we've ever had moments of overwhelming, joyful praise to God. And I'd wonder if you've not, what that actually says about your relationship with Him. What do you love is a very radically important question when you're reading the Psalms. So the psalmist calls us into deeper relationship with Christ, calls us into praise and service of Christ. And and so I want to leave you in your microchurches with with just three questions, maybe four. Maybe you need to throw in what do you love. Um, But the first question that I think you guys should discuss is, what causes you to struggle to praise God? What causes you to struggle to praise God? The second would be, Do you remember a time or situation where you couldn't help but praise God, where it just overwhelmed you and you were were in that moment spontaneously worshiping God? And then lastly, and I think this is really important, how can this psalm inform how we evangelize? Because that's what the psalmist is doing. He's evangelizing. He's calling people to recognize the goodness of God. So how can this psalm inform how we evangelize and practically work that out in your community? I'm going to pray, and then we'll, we'll praise God some more. Lord, thank you so much for your word. I thank you for the short psalm and the circuits that it, it brings to us, that as we study, if we love you, as we study and learn more about you, that that can lead to, to great amounts of joy. I thank you that joy is a part of following you. But I I thank you that it's not the only part, that we can experience hardship as well. I thank you that whatever state we're in, that you're with us. We ask that you would help our hearts to rejoice in you, to find their full satisfaction in you, that we would move into what we are created fully to be as we are united through the blood of Christ into the bride of Christ, so that we we can be in community with you. Change our hearts to constantly long to know you more and rejoice in you more. In your name, amen.
1: Come and stand before you, maker. Full of wonderful fear, come behold His power and glory. Yet yeah, we're confident, strong here. For the One who holds the heavens and commands the stars above is the God who bends to bless us with an unrelenting love. Rejoice! Come and lift your hands and raise. the mercies of your King and with trembling rejoice. We are children of the promise, the beloved of the Lord, one with everlasting kindness, bought with sacrificial blood, bringing reconciliation. To a world that longs to know the affections of a Father who will never let them go. Rejoice, come and lift your hands and raise your voice. He is worthy of our praise. Rejoice, sing. Trembling, rejoice All our sickness, all our sorrows Jesus carried up the hill He has walked this path before us He is walking with us still Turning tragedy to triumph I so no agony to praise, there is blessing in the battle. So take heart and stand amazed. Rejoice when you cry to him, he hears your voice. He will wipe away your tears. Rejoice in the midst of suffering. King and with trembling rejoice. Father, thank you that you call us into something um, that is to be rejoiced upon, that it seems kind of counterintuitive to us, but that we can see we do that with everything around us. Help us to to just be centered on you, to rejoice in you, to learn, to depend on you, to love you, um, and to have you be our source, um, so that then we can bring that out into the world. We can bring your kingdom here. We pray that in your name and for your glory. Amen.